we've been uh, preaching primarily through the book of Romans this year, and we have closed out chapters 1 through 11. Uh, we're taking a break from that to, to focus back in on the mission and vision of our church and why we exist, what it is that we're doing, and what the vision, what the future of our church looks like. And then we'll jump back into Romans chapter 12 uh, at the beginning of the year, which will fit great with what we're going to talk about in the, uh, in the new year in, in 2020 and a theme that we have for that. And I'll talk more about that when we get to it. But we're going to take seven or eight weeks or so and just come back around as a church of why we exist, what it is that we're here to do and what our mission is and what our vision is. And it comes directly out of Genesis 1:28 and Matthew 28, which is great because I think all churches should get their mission and vision from the Bible, all right? Because uh, the Bible is the one who lays it out for us. And, and really, my hope is for you to understand that not only this is the mission and vision of our church, but the church is us. It is a people. And so I want this to become the mission and vision of our lives, because I think this is why each and every one of us exists. This is what God's will is for us. And that's why it's so important for us to come back around and look at it, all right? But as always, before we jump into the text, let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing. And God, it is a privilege and honor to be a part of it. And God, as we open your word today, I pray that you would help me to communicate it as always in a way that honors you and is helpful to us. God, align our hearts with yours as we try to accomplish what your will is, which is to honor your name and to bring heaven to earth. And we do that by expanding your kingdom. And God, I pray as we read this and we understand this, that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and ears to hear it and then to live it out in our lives, God, because we know that unless you bless us, we can't do it. And so we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you were here last week, I, I talked through Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28, but this time I'm just going to focus in on verse 28 because we've already dealt with part of the text last week, and I want to just deal with the second part of it and really focus in on the commands. But in case you weren't here last week, I'll recap it quickly for you. So let's read verse 28, and then we'll talk about it. It says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so in the creation narrative, I pointed out last week that when God gets to human beings, this is a different type of creation. And it's signified by the conjunction that is used, because in chapter one, it's and this, and this, and God said this, and God this said this. And then in verse 26, it says, and then God made man in his own image, signifying that what he was about to do was different, because men and women have the mandate of God to have authority over what he created. And so we have a mandate, and God has given us authority, and with authority comes responsibility to do certain things. And in order for us to accomplish that, and we, this is what we focused on last week, it says, and God bless them. Now, we say bless you when somebody sneezes, or we say somebody when somebody's not doing so well in life, we're like, oh, bless your heart, right? Like, that's the Christian way of saying, like, oh, I feel sorry for you. Uh, and we use the word blessing, really, if we're honest, just kind of trivial, or even worse, we'll talk about blessings as if they're pro primarily financial, like blessings just have to do with that. But biblically, the idea of blessing is way more than that. And I told you last week that this idea of a blessing from God is God approving us. It is God giving life to us. It is God empowering us. It is everything that God is for us. 
And we see that in Christ because Christ had the approval of the Father and then Christ gave his life for us to give to us everything that he was. And that is what it means to be blessed. But here's what I want you to understand. He not only blesses them, but then he commands them. And this is so important because the blessing comes before the command. And the reason why that's important is very simply, you and I can't obey the commands of God without God. We can't obey God without the blessing of God. So here's the good news. You can talk about the good news, which is the gospel, is God has never asked us to do anything that he won't first enable us to do. And so that's the beauty of this is why Paul says in Philippians, work out your salvation, right? And, and, or, or finish it. And then God is the one who's going to finish it. And so the idea is, is yes, it's us, but it's God in us. And this is where Paul said as well, that he worked harder than anybody, but it wasn't him. It was grace in him. And so God never commands us to do something that he doesn't first enable us to do. And so when he told them to be fruitful and multiply, he understood that they couldn't do that unless he blessed them. So the blessing is what empowers us. And again, the blessing, don't miss this, the word of God, God blessing them, speaking blessing to them. And what is the word of God? John 1 tells us the word is Christ. And so the blessing is Christ, and it comes through us through the person of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I could do a whole series just on that, that the blessing is God's word in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, there's a second part to this that I don't want you to miss, is that when God blesses, he then commands. So don't miss this. When God blesses you, he doesn't just bless you to do what you want to do with the blessing. When he blesses you, he also commands you. So God doesn't just bless you and be like, oh, enjoy that. I'm just going to go back up to heaven, chill, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Do what you want to with it. No, when God blesses, he blesses and then commands. So here's what I've been trying to show you for the last several weeks. There's a certain flow to what God is doing. It's from him, through him, to him. And so the blessing, when God blesses you, he blesses you and then he directs the blessing. So here's what I want you to understand in your own life. You should ask God to bless you. That is not a bad prayer. Again, so often, because we just think blessings is about us, but the best thing God can bless you with is himself. Then that's what he did in Christ. And so you should ask God, bless me, bless me. But then the second part of that is you should understand that when he blesses you, he blesses you and then commands you to be a blessing. And that blessing is about being fruitful and multiplying. And so those are the two commands that I want us to focus on for the entirety of our message because from those two, we get the mission and vision of the church. And when I say the church, I'm not just talking about Revolution Church. I'm talking about the church. But we are a local church, and so we are a part of the global church. And so the mission and vision of our church is simply what Jesus says it is. And that's what I want us to see. So these two commands, let's look at them. First, be fruitful. So when God blesses you, he blesses you because first and foremost, he wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be fruitful. 
Now, in this context, obviously, this is the first man and woman. He's talking about fruitfulness in the sense that he wants them to have what it takes to reproduce. And so this for sure applies on a physical sense. He wants them to be fruitful, which in one sense obviously replies, apply, <laughs> applies to having children. But I would like to submit to you that fruitfulness is not just physical. It's also mental, it's emotional, and spiritual. This is why throughout the entire Bible, God uses the metaphor of fruit. He talks about the fruit that he wants to grow in our life. Paul picks this up in Galatians chapter five, where he calls it the fruit of the spirit. And then he tells us what that is, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I think I got them all, all right? I have to, you have to hum those things to get it right in your head because that's how you memorize. That's how I have to do it as well, all right? So God wants us to be fruitful. He wants to grow fruit in our life. Uh, another way that you can think about fruitfulness is character or Christ-likeness. Or the Bible says it like this, holiness. God wants us to be fruitful. So the first thing that his blessing applies to is our own character development, our own personal fruitfulness. But here's what I know about character development and fruitfulness. It can't be microwaved. Don't you wish you could microwave your own character? Like in 30 seconds, you are have a good character. You are holy. You love Jesus. You are like Jesus. No, it doesn't happen that way. And this is why fruit is the perfect metaphor for that. Now, I'm not a farmer, and so I don't have a garden in my backyard. Maybe some of you do because that's very cool and trendy now, and that's awesome. Grow your own fruit. I did have some, you know, little flower boxes and stuff in my backyard, and we grew some fruit. But primarily, it's because I like fruit, and I like food, and so I can understand the metaphor. One of my favorite fruits, and which is why I love living in North Georgia, is apples. An apple a day will keep a doctor away. I don't know if that's true, but I apply it to my life, right? And, and we go pick apples every year around this time. We have certain ones, which I'm not going to tell you about how awesome they are, because then you're going to go get them, and I won't get any, all right? And so certain apples that we love and certain orchards that we go to, we love it. Because it's amazing, because we live in this society, we have all this technology, but yet none of us know how to do that kind of stuff. And you're like, dude, look at this apple. It came off a tree. And then you can pick it and eat it. And you're like, whoa, this is amazing. But what I know about fruit is growing fruit takes time. And it takes intentionality. And it takes planting. And it takes water. And it takes sunlight. And it takes seasons. And it takes a long time. And so when we're talking about personal fruitfulness in our lives, what we have to understand is what God has commanded us to do is to plant, to water, but he gives the growth. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where he says, he planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. You and I don't make it grow. God makes it grow, but we do what we can do to enable what we can't do, which is just simply what spiritual disciplines are. We come together for the hearing of the preaching of the word of God. That's planting. We read the word of God ourselves. We pray. We're in relationships with other people. That's like watering. That's sunlight. But the process of growth very simply takes 
time. And this is ultimately what the mission of the church is. The mission of the church is to help you grow fruit. That's the mission of the church. That is why we are here. And that is the original command that God gave our first parents. Be fruitful. So we want to understand as a church that first and foremost, that is why we exist. But we also want to understand that that's a long process. But that's why we're here. We say it like this. The mission of the church, very simply, this is our way of saying being fruitful. The mission of Revolution Church is to love Jesus and grow people. Love Jesus, grow people. And that's built on two primary things, the person of Jesus and the process of growth. Now, if you've ever been to a welcome dinner or been around here for any amount of time, we talk about these often. And here's what's crazy. This is November 2019. This is literally the month 10 years ago, a decade ago, where I personally interviewed to become the lead pastor of Revolution Church. And there's a whole story that goes with that. And it's just crazy to think about. Oh, yeah, you can clap. I, I appreciate that. I didn't say it for that, but thank you. I appreciate that. But, but when I came to Revolution Church, our church was four and a half years, almost well, it was five years old by the time that I got here because the founding pastor had left. And our church was still portable at that time. And our church had grown during that time for the first five years of its existence. But when I came and interviewed, there was a whole you know, slew of different people and it got down to me and another guy. And, and when I came, and I literally in November of 2009, flew out here from the great country of Texas and <laughs> to interview for this position. And when I came, there was two primary things that I wanted to make sure that Revolution Church was built on. And Lindsay and I, my wife, we were looking to go plant a church. That is what we were, were off to do. We were doing, we had already flown around to other cities to go look to plant a church. We're in the process of already raising money to do that. And then God had this like derail for us and we started interviewing for this. And when we came, we felt like it was God's will. And I've said that story before that God used the adoption of our daughter to get us here because we, our daughter was obviously we adopted her. So she's not biologically ours. And we felt like God said, just like we didn't birth her, but we're adopting her. We didn't birth this church, but God wanted us to adopt this church and God in his coolness, in his kindness on December 5th of 2009, Natalie was born. And that was the exact same day I accepted the position to be the pastor. So, so God just like intertwined this thing. And when I came, there was two things I wanted to make sure that are reflected in this mission. First and foremost, I wanted to make sure that Revolution Church was built on the person of Jesus. Here's why that's so important. I, my title is called lead pastor. And I, some people just use words and it doesn't really matter, but I want to be intentional about this. My title is not, will never be senior pastor because I'm not the senior pastor of Revolution Church. Jesus is. And one of the things that I communicated to the church when I came was, listen, you lost your lead pastor when he left, but you never lost your senior pastor because Revolution Church doesn't belong to any man. It belongs to Jesus. And one of my jokes is simply this, and if you heard it, it's corny, but it works. You'll remember, is it's not love Jason, it's love Jesus. 
And Jesus in English has five letters and Jason has five letters. And so my joke is don't get the wrong five letters, right? Now, I hope you like Jason, all right? Now I'm referring to myself in third person, which I can't stand when people do that. But I want you to love Jesus. Here's why. Revolution's not my church. You're not my people. Why? Because I don't have the authority to do that. And thank God. Because that's a pressure I don't want. I didn't die for the church. It's not mine. Jesus said in Matthew 16, it's his church. He'll build it. Now, now here's what's good. One of the best things that I can do for you is to build the church on the person of Jesus so that you understand I am not senior. I'm just junior. I'm the under shepherd underneath the chief shepherd. And so as long as Jesus is on his throne, the church is okay. So the church is built on the person of Jesus. Why is that? Now flip over to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Matthew 28 is the first one in the New Testament. All right, so you got Genesis first in the Old Testament, Matthew first in the New Testament. In Matthew 28, verse 18 and 20, it's called the Great Commission. This is Jesus talking to his disciples before he's about to go back to heaven. And he tells them, verse 18 is so critical. Look at this. He says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? Me. That's not you. That's Jesus though, right? But the word's me. So I get why you said it. Jesus said to his disciples, listen, all authority. How much authority? All of it. Where? Heaven and earth. Is there anywhere else besides that? No. So here's what you need to understand. Jesus has all authority. So anybody who is in authority in any position on heaven or on earth submits to him. In the church, in the government. That's why I always tell you don't freak out about the government because Jesus is in charge. Every knee will bow to Jesus. He has all authority. So the best thing that I can do for you as a pastor is to constantly point you to Jesus. It's not my words, it's his words. So listen, if there's a sermon that I teach and you don't like what it says, don't get mad at me. I'm the messenger, man. I'm not the Messiah. You, you with me? I get high pitched when I get excited, all right? I'm the messenger, not the Messiah. That's Jesus. So Revolution Church belongs to him. This is his church. You're his people. It's not my church. But what my job is as an authority in the church, because according to Ephesians, Jesus himself, it says in Ephesians chapter four, gave to the church apostles, teachers, pastors, shepherds. So all of us who are in leadership in the church come underneath the authority of Jesus, and our job is to make sure that the church is built on him and it's built on a process of making disciples, which is the second part of the Great Commission. Look at this, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So here you see, in the words of Christ, our mission statement, Jesus, grow people. Grow people is simply our way of saying make disciples. Now here's what I want you to see. In verse 19 and 20, there is a command. 
that Jesus gave us. What do you think it is? Go. You know, go is the one that almost everyone says. I heard it once. Because it's the first word. Go is not the command. Make disciples is. So in the Greek, what's called the imperative, that is when a word is written in that tense, that is the command. So anytime in the Greek, when you see it as an imperative, it's a command. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. It's like when I tell my kids to do something, I say, that wasn't a suggestion, homie. That was a command. I didn't ask if you liked it, I asked you to do it. So Jesus, who has all the authority, don't miss this, has blessed us and then commanded us. And what's the command? Now now you know it. What is it? Make disciples. So how do we make disciples? Here's the cool part. Those other words that look like commands in the Greek are not. They are participles. And what they show is the process of how a disciple is made. So how is a disciple made? By going, baptizing, teaching. Going, baptizing, teaching. That is the process of how a disciple is made. So when I say built on the person of Jesus, built on a process of growth, we're just simply communicating what Jesus said. And here's what's cool. Go, first two letters of the word gospel. First two letters of the English word God. So two thirds of God is all about going. Don't miss that. That's a preacher joke, but don't miss it. So gospel, how is the disciple made? Gospel, go, get the word out. That is the G in our process called grow. So when I say grow people, it's an acronym because when I came, I love acronyms and Pastor Thad, who's here, said I only get one. And he was here before me, so I submitted to his authority. And so we got one acronym in this church, it's grow. G-R-O-W, gospel, relationships, obedience, works. That process is how a disciple is made. The gospel comes, go. Then the second thing, baptizing them. You want to know what baptism is about? It's about entrance into the family. That's relationships. So baptism is about joining a group of people. It has nothing to do with salvation in that that act doesn't save us, but that act is about joining the group of people that are saved. So that's about relationships. That's the R. Teaching them to observe. Some translations say obey, and that's the point. That's the O in the acronym. So preach the gospel, get you connected in relationships, help you to obey. Then the W is good works, because Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4 says you are the work of God prepared for good works. What is the good work? Now you personally take on the command to make disciples. So you see the process. Do you see it? You see the person, Jesus, you see the process of making disciples. So you want to know what Revolution Church is all about? Loving Jesus and growing people. Because that's what Jesus says that it's all about. That's what the church is here for. So you want to know the mission of our church is simply that, for you to know Jesus and for you to grow. And that is what the fruitfulness means. And that's a long, slow process. That you have grown or God has grown in you the fruit of the Spirit. But that's only the second, that's only one part of the two commands in Genesis 1.28. And I'm going to show you how it's in Matthew 28 as well. The second thing that God said in Genesis 1.28 is not just be fruitful, be fruitful, but he says, and what? Anybody remember? Multiply. You got to say that like you actually believe it, all right? Say it in your best Barry White voice, all right? And what? Multiply. You got to say it with some mmm, right? 
Like you mean it and multiply. What was God telling Adam and Eve? Listen, I want you to be fruitful. That's why I've blessed you. But I want you to multiply that fruitfulness into others. I don't want you to multiply sin. I want you to multiply saving grace. I want you to multiply the fruitfulness in you into others. You see that in Matthew 28 when Jesus said, make disciples. And then he uses this phrase, of all what? Nations. That Greek word there for nations is the Greek word ethnos. It's where we get our English word ethnicities. It means every people group. Not nations like we think of geopolitical that have certain names and boundaries, but people groups that have different languages, different people groups. So within one nation, you'll have multiple people groups. And so here's what Jesus said. Listen, I want you to multiply. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to be a disciple, but then I want you to multiply that into others. So Jesus blessed us to have a mission of making disciples and then gave us a vision of multiplying that into others. So you wanna know what the vision of Revolution Church is? Pretty simple, I've got it here on the screen. Vision of Revolution Church is to be a level five multiplying church. A level five multiplying church. You say, what is that? Very simply, I've done this here before in other sermons, but maybe you weren't here and even if you were, you probably forgot it, so let me remind you. There are five levels of churches. Level one is a church that's declining not growing. Level two is a church that's plateaued. And 80% of churches in North America are level one or level two. A level three church is one that is growing. It's growing, adding people. People are coming to it, getting saved, getting baptized. By God's grace, since our beginning, we have pretty much been a level three church with the exception of a period of time between lead pastors. And that's been great. But our vision is very simply this. We don't want to just be a fruitful church. We want to go from level three to level five because level four is about reproducing. Level five is about multiplying. What does that mean? We want what God has grown in us to be multiplied into others because here's what I also know about fruitfulness. What's inside every fruit? Seeds. Those of you who know the vision or hear me talk, you understand. You are a good student. You pay attention. Seeds. Again, think about an apple. You take one apple seed, you plant it into the ground, you're going to get a tree full of apples, and inside those apples are more seeds. So from one seed, you can get a whole orchard. It's almost like God designed life this way. You want to know why? Because God didn't want you just to enjoy the apple. He wanted to have an orchard full of others to enjoy it which is what makes the sin of Adam and Eve so sinister. See, we read that and we're like, oh, it's this ate one fruit from a tree. No, they misunderstood because what God had blessed them with, he wanted them to multiply it into others. And they said, we don't care about that. We want it for ourselves. So the sin was not just they ate from the wrong tree. The sin is they hoarded it for themselves. And God never told them to do that. He said, I want you to enjoy it, but then I want you to multiply that enjoyment into others. I bless you to be a blessing. Here's what I'm saying to you, church. What God has grown in you, he wants it to be multiplied into others. And this is about quantity. Now, you put these two things together, fruitfulness and multiplying. You get quality. We want good fruit. 
But then we want quality, we want more fruit. So this is the mission and vision of the church, to grow people and to multiply that into other people. We call this discipleship, leadership. Now here's what I want you to see. The mission and vision of the church is both of those things. We are called to both. However, most churches, not saying all, but most churches focus on one or the other. They focus on discipleship, which hear me, is good. You need to focus on discipleship because God was never about decisions. He was always about disciples. And so discipleship is a process. Remember, we t- it takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes pruning. It takes planting. It takes sowing. It takes water. It takes sunlight. And it takes decades. So most churches focus on discipleship, but here's where they get wrong, where they focus on the discipleship aspect to the detriment of multiplying that into others. They're just all about a couple of people, us four, no more, going deep. Now, is depth a problem or an issue? No. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be shallow. I want to be deep. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to be holy. But here's what happens. Churches will focus on that to the detriment of multiplying that discipleship process into others. So what happens, and think of a pendulum. I use this example always in pastoral care. If something's over here and you let it go in a pendulum, does it go to the middle? Never. It goes over here. This happens all the time. So somebody was on this category, you let it go, they'll swing over here. And then over time, they start getting mature and then it settles to the middle. And what happens with a lot of churches and what has happened in the last few decades of churches, new churches were being started that were overemphasizing evangelism because it had needed to correct itself. And so we're planting more churches. We're trying to spread the gospel more, which is great. And so you have a new crop of churches that are like, man, we don't want to focus so much on discipleship. We want to go after new people, which there's an emphasis to that, which is good. But hear me, you can emphasize that and then miss out on discipleship. And here's what I'm saying to you. On either side of the road is a ditch. There's multiple ways to be wrong. We need to live in the tension of both. And here's why this is so good. See, discipleship is a long process, right? But what we have unintentionally done with people in the church, we said, you know what? It takes about 20, 30 years to be deep, to know Jesus, and then you can disciple somebody. We have devoided or disconnected the evangelistic process from discipleship. And we have said, once you get to here, then you can do that. But let me ask you a question. Do you think you'll ever be ready to do that? No. Here's how I know. Think about parenting. I say all the time, pastoring is just like parenting. So those of you that had kids, let me ask you a question. Were you emotionally mature enough to have a child? (laughs) No. Thank you for being emotionally honest up in church today. Now for you that are younger, millennial in nature, you're like, yes, I am mature. No, you're not. Listen, you can feed them plants and cloth nappers, dappers, diapers, but you are not emotionally. I don't know why I said that, but here's my point. You can think you're emotionally mature, but you're not. Because when you have a kid and you haven't slept for six weeks, you will snap too. 
You weren't ready to have a kid? But here's what's crazy. What made you ready? Having a kid. Because you want to turbocharge your spiritual growth, have somebody else that you're personally responsible for. You want to know what made me grow up faster than anything? When I turned 25, there was a mini me. And I thought to myself, oh, Lord Jesus, I do not want to multiply my sinfulness into this man. So I was like, I better get my junk together. And that's when I started counseling at 25, straight up. I ain't afraid to tell you that. Like, because you were emotionally immature? Yes. And I was pastoring. And I still got counselors to this day. You want to know why? Because I don't want to multiply my dysfunction into my kids. So, so here's what I'm saying. Look at the mission of the church again. You want to know the best way for you to grow in your own discipleship? Take personal responsibility for the discipleship of somebody else. And you're not ready for it. You're not emotionally mature enough. You're not spiritually mature enough. But when you start taking personal responsibility for somebody else's spiritual growth, you will figure it out in a hurry. Because now that you got people that you're responsible for, you don't want to multiply into them your same messed upness. So here's what I'm saying. The mission and vision of the church, very simple, is to make disciples and to multiply that until all languages have heard. That's the mission and vision. I didn't say that. Jesus did. He's the one that has all the authority. And the only authority I have, listen to me, is the word of God. This is why when people come in for pastoral care and we tell them what the word says, we're like, listen, you ain't got to like it. This is what he said. Yeah, but I don't think that's what that means. <laughs> well, for 2,000 years, that's what it's meant. So here's what I'm saying. As a church, we want quality disciples. Yes and amen. But we want more. This isn't about the church getting big. This is about hell getting smaller. And the kingdom of God expanding into all nations. This is what makes me laugh about Christians. We will sit around and complain about how bad the earth is and how corrupt the world is, but we won't do the one thing that will help Jesus come back faster. Share our faith. You want Jesus to come back faster? Go make sure everybody in your hood knows Jesus or at least heard about Jesus. You want to make sure Jesus comes back quicker? I'm not saying you can change the timeline, but my point simply is this. Quit sitting around and complaining about it and start making disciples of all nations. That's our mission. That's our vision. So if you want to know what Revolution Church is all about, that's what we're all about. Why? Because that's what our senior pastor said. Not this joker. That one. And my job as lead pastor and the pastor's job and our board's job is just to make sure that our church is constantly aligned to Jesus's mission and vision for the church. That's what we're here to do. And so that's why we are all about making disciples. <laughs> you know, what's funny. And again, I'll, let me just be honest with you. I thought our discipleship process was pretty good until we started Jasper. Until we started another campus 
Jasper, thank you for helping us figure this out. And we started realizing, oh, that ain't working. Because you start to try to ramp up what you're doing and then you see the, you put heat to it, you see the cracks. You know what I'm saying? And so now we're learning because as we multiply, we're like, oh, we got to get better at making disciples. And I'll own that. And I want you to hear me say that. Our disciple making process is okay, but it can be better. And that's what we're working on as pastors. How do we get better at that? We want to make better disciples. But while we're doing this slow process of getting better at making disciples, we want to make sure at the same time we're multiplying for all nations. And what helps us figure out how to make better disciples is we figure out how to better multiply. And that's the mission and vision of the church that you are a part of. And that's what we want you to have as the mission and vision of your life. And here's what's cool. I mean, I get to be a part of this because I work here, but this is not the mission and vision of my life because I work here. I work here because this is the mission and vision of my life. And as a church, we want this to be the mission and vision of your life. And when this is the mission and vision of your life, then you will sacrifice for it. You will sacrifice time for it. You will sacrifice finances for it. You will sacrifice so that the mission and vision of the church can succeed. That's bringing heaven to earth. So in 2017, we launched an initiative talking about this as our church. You saw the video earlier. You heard about when we started that. And we asked people to give unashamedly, unashamedly ask you to give, to sacrifice for the mission and vision of the church. Because I just happen to believe there is nothing better for you to invest in. Nothing better for you to invest in. And so at the time we wrote out this initiative, we had, and this is what's crazy, I'm going to put it on the screen, about three or 400 families in our church pledged a commitment over three years of $3 million, $38,660. You, we pledged that. And so far, just so that you'll know where we're at, so far what we've received, next slide, is $1,549,512. Give it up for yourselves, man. That is amazing so far. That's over halfway there. That's over halfway. We are past the halfway point. But 1.5 is not three. And so we're calling at this point, as we close out Multiply in 2019, asking our church to do three specific things so that we as a church can be in the best financial position for us to continue to operate in our mission and in our vision. Three things, and if you wanna write these down, you can, and then we'll be done. Number one, pray. Pray. Pray and ask God for him to bless our church. To bless our church. Number two, Complete your pledge commitment. If you were here during 2017 and you made a commitment, we're just simply ask you to pledge or to finish your pledge to honor that. Again, the, the first number that you saw was not a number we made up. That's a number that all of us collectively committed to. And so we're just simply ask you to finish your commitment. Number three, in, on December 15th, we're having a multiply giving day is what we're calling it. And we'll talk more about this as we move on. But there were so many people, hundreds of people that were not a part of our church in 2017 that are a part of it now that didn't pledge. Like I told you, about 300 families pledged. Even if you were here and you didn't give, and listen, I understand because you couldn't at that time. 
We want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to sacrifice so that you can take joy in knowing that you are a part of the mission and vision of the church. And so on December 15th, we're going to ask you to give. For those of you that have pledged, we're asking you to do everything that you can to catch up and finish that out. For those of you that haven't, we're asking you to do everything you can to give your best gift to Christ. This is the giving time of the year. So that's coming up December 15th. And as I was teaching this message, let me close with this story. As I was teaching this message, last service, so this just happened. After I got through, I'm down front here in Canton meeting people, and a couple walked up to me and said, hey, we wanna introduce ourselves. One of our leaders introduced them. And they said, blew me away. They said, we moved from Iowa to help plant Revolution Church. We were a part of the founding families of starting Revolution Church. Move from Iowa to here to do it. And then they were here for three years and helped get the church off the ground. And then they left and moved on and now they're back today. They were back today because they were in town because now they are getting ready to move to Spain and plant another church. Move from Iowa to Canton, from Canton to Spain. I don't know which one of those you consider an upgrade, but you decide, all right? And I was, and they were sitting here talking to me and they were blown away. I'm like, of all days for you to come, you came on this day? You came on this day when we're talking about the mission and vision of the church? It's almost like there's a God. And so I asked them, I was like, do you mind if I share your story? They're like, no, we'd love for you to share our story. How cool of God to confirm that this is what he's doing in the earth. That on this day of all days, he brought a founding family of this church. You and I are sitting in the sacrifices of that family that moved here from Iowa to plant this church. Aren't you so glad that they didn't eat the fruitfulness of their own life, but they multiplied it into us? We're here today because of their sacrifices. And in the kindness of God, they came today and talking about what they're going to do in Spain to plant another church. Wow. Man, we are a part, we're a one small part of what God is doing all over the world. And so if you leave today and you hear, oh, it was the money on, on money, it was, oh, it was a message on money, you missed it. No, this is a message on mission and vision and not wasting your life. There's way more that we need you to get on than just give. We need you to personally own the mission and vision of the church because this is what Jesus is doing. And if you're here today and God has not blessed you and you don't know Christ, then that's your first step to get in. But maybe you're here today and you do know Christ, but you have not been using your life to be in on what he's doing. You can get in on that today too. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for what you have done. You have saved us in Christ. When we took your blessing and we used it as a way to sin against you, you still came and blessed us again and you covered our sin in Christ so that we could receive the blessing that he had, which was your approval. And so God, I pray if there's anybody here today who doesn't know Jesus, who's not living in that blessing, I pray that you would save them. No one looking around or talking here as we close, if you've never trusted Christ, if you've never received that blessing, then you can receive it today by confessing and believing that Christ is who he said he is and he really did die and he really did come back to life again and you'll be saved. So if that's you, again, nobody looking around or talking, if you wanna receive Christ and be saved, I'm gonna give you an opportunity with me to confess and believe. You can pray, not out loud, and it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son to die in my place for my sin. I receive Christ. Bless me. Save me, forgive me. Thank you for loving me. Now, if that was you and you just prayed to trust Christ very simply, would you just lift your hand so we can see that and know who you are? Again, it's not about a decision, it's about discipling. We wanna give you a Bible, make sure you have what you need for next steps. Thank you. And then all of us who have trusted Christ, the reason why we come back around these series of sermons about our mission and vision is to realign us. Just like you do alignment in your car, you do that because you are out of alignment. And this is how God meant for the church to run, to make disciples and to multiply it into all nations. And so if you need to realign your life to that, this is going to mean saying no to other things. Please hear me. There are a lot of good things that you can do, a lot of good things that you and your kids can be involved in, but none of them are as important as the mission of the church, which is the mission of your life, why you were created. And so I don't know what that looks like for you, but to realign may mean you need to reprioritize the process of growth in your own life and start owning your own discipleship and start making hearing the word of God a priority and connecting your relationships with others a priority and learning how to obey being a part of the discipleship process. And again, we're working on that as a church to get better at that. And we'll talk more about that as we move on. But it may mean realigning and, and putting God first financially and saying, God, I wanna give to the mission of what you're doing over anything else in my life. I promise you, you will not regret that. Because when you use God's blessings God's way, God will bless you. 
because he knows he can trust you. Father, would you do this in our life? Thank you. Thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you have all authority, that nothing that is happening in this world is happening outside of your control. We don't understand it, but it just reminds us of what our mission and vision is. And help us to do that and execute it faithfully, but we know we can't without you blessing us. So would you bless us so that we can be a blessing and make disciples of all nations. In Jesus' name, amen.